Welcome to the Bruce Siski Show. Follow the Bruce Siski Show on Twitter to interact anytime. Got something on your mind? You can text Bruce during the show by using the short code 84454. You're listening to the Bruce Siski Show on 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10-11, it's a Friday, 25th day of August 2023. Bruce Siski Show. KDAL, great to have you with us. Coming up at about 10.35-ish. The longtime head coach of the St. Scholastica women's soccer team, Dave Riles, will talk some St. soccer. They open up their season uh, next weekend, and we'll get a preview of 2023 from him. Year three in the Mayak for St. Saint, uh, Scholastica. Baseball this weekend, Twins and Rangers. Games here on KDAL. Good pitching matchups this weekend as well. Uh, seven tonight, Sonny Gray, 6-6, six and 3-1-5. Six, Derek, uh, Derek Dane Dunning, 9-5, 3-1-9. For Texas tomorrow, we believe it'll be Joe Ryan activated off the injured list that's not been made official yet. So officially, TBA versus Max Scherzer, 12-5, 3.77 for the Rangers. Sunday at 1, Bailey Ober, 6-6, six six, 3.41. Jordan Montgomery for Texas, 8-10, 3.12. Twins up 6 in the AL Central after last night's win, coupled with two Cleveland losses to the L.A. Dodgers. The Brewers and Padres. At American Family Field, 7 o'clock tonight, Brandon Woodruff, 2-1, 2.89. Hugh Darvish, 8-9, 4.35 for the Padres. Tomorrow at 6, Freddie Peralta, 10-8, 3.97. He's been really good, Peralta has as of late, which is uh, good to see him on a strong stretch here. Pedro Avila for the Padres tomorrow, no record, 1.17. Then Sunday at 1, Adrian Hauser, 5 and 4, 4.28. Michael Waka for the Padres, 10 and 2, 2.63. Brewers up 3 on the Cubs, 4 on the Reds in the NL Central. No worse than a tie for the NL Central lead coming out of the weekend. And the Brewers head to Chicago to take on the Cubs. Three game series, their last of the season against the Cubs, beginning on Monday. We've been talking a lot of local sports this week, a lot of the coaches. You can podcast all those conversations. If you missed anything at kdal610.com. Uh, let's see. Barry Chasty, CSS Men's Soccer earlier this week. Lynn Diedrich, UWS Volleyball earlier this week. Jim Booz, UMD Volleyball. Greg Kane into his 30th year as the head coach of the UMD soccer team. All those conversations from earlier on this week. Got a couple more today. Mentioned Dave Riles. About 10.35 or so. And earlier this week, had a chance to speak with Joe Mooney, head coach of the once again defending UMAC champion UWS men's soccer team. Before we get to talking about last season, another great year for your program, looking ahead to 2023, I have been meaning to ask one of my soccer people this for a long time, and you get to be the the, the guinea pig for this uh, in, in terms of answering this question on the radio for the nice people listening. So... This is, a, this is something that gets brought up every time there's a tournament, the World Cup or like the League's Cup and, and, and Major League Soccer that is wrapped up where, where you have the potential of a penalty kick shootout. Mm-hmm. The non-soccer people, for the life of them, cannot figure out why anybody thinks this is a good idea. So I'm going to leave it for you, the soccer guy, to explain it to the non-soccer people listening 
why penalty kicks are a thing in this sport and we don't just play things out like we do in other overtimes. So I'm I'm maybe the wrong guy to ask, Bruce, because I, I hate penalty kick shootouts. <laughs> and, and to be honest, like, I think a lot of soccer folks also hate them. Um, it, it's one of those things where actually, like, I think the fans enjoy the excitement of them, um, but it is it is the worst way to lose a game. Uh, it's the worst way to end a season or, or end a tournament uh, because it really is. It's a bit of a coin flip, um, you know. So I, I think the reason that they that they instituted them is uh, after you know 90 minutes of regulation, 30 minutes of, of overtime. I mean, you're talking about 120 minutes of running. Um, I just think that uh, the federations look at this and say we can't have guys you know continue to run you know past that 120 minute mark, uh, which I guess is, is fair enough. So. Um, I don't know what the other solution is, but I'd love to find one. I, I have uh, I've tweeted this before. In fact, now I just go back and bump the old tweet whenever whenever I see a, a shootout happening. That, that penalty kicks are both the greatest and stupidest thing in sports at the same time because the you you can't like you can't match that drama. And I can only imagine the pressure you get into a World Cup match that a player is feeling up there at that spot. They see that big gaping goal in front of them, and they think, "Oh, I can't miss this." And then that once in a while happens that they miss it, and it, it's yeah. it, it's just like the end of the world. Yeah. Yeah, and I've I've been on both sides of it. I'm sure most coaches have. You're right. I mean, when you win it, uh, there's an there's an elation there that you just you can't match. Uh, but I will say, I mean, the uh, the torment that you go through after losing in a in a penalty kick shootout uh, is is one of a kind as well. Is there a better way? You think? Like, is, is there? Have you guys as coaches talked about this? Is 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 there at least a, conceptually an idea that, or, or do you, just playing it out, the only alternative? Yeah, I mean, I think. You know, possibly like what, what hockey does, I mean, to start to drop players. Um, you know, again, now you're talking about, uh, you know, very depleted legs, very fatigued bodies uh, with fewer players on the pitch would be, you know, a pretty tough sell. Uh, I've heard coaches talk about like a, like a set piece, uh, you know, like a corner kick shootout instead, you know. So it's a little bit more representative of the game. Everybody would be on the field. It wouldn't just come down to one shooter and the, and the goalkeeper. Um, I've heard a lot of different ideas thrown out there. Um, I, I do think the purists of the game are, are going to keep going back to this shootout, um, and uh, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. Talking to UWS men's soccer coach Joe Mooney, another UMAC championship for you guys last season, another very good campaign. I, I know you fell short in the first round of the NCAA tournament dramatic match against North Central in that opening round down in Illinois, but how do you reflect on 2022? I, it was it was a terrific run. Um, our our guys were. Uh, I mean, Bruce. I don't know that I've ever been around a, a better group of guys. Um, and and I and I don't say it lightly because we've had some terrific groups here. Um, just uh, you know the the buy-in that those guys had, the leadership that was amongst that group, um, the just kind of sheer determination uh, that that group uh, shared uh, was was really just something special to be a part of. Um, and as you mentioned, we, we did we fell short in, in the uh, the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, in a in a terrific match uh, with North Central. Um, there were what were there three goals scored uh, in the final five minutes of that game, uh, and unfortunately we were one, uh, they were two uh, in terms of goals scored. So uh, they they pulled out the win. But um, yeah, I mean as I mentioned, there's there's tough ways to lose a game, uh, and that's right up there with them. Um, but uh, we return a, a really good crew this year, and, and so 
Um, you know, I, I hope that the majority of our reflection time is, is over now, about nine months later, and, and we're uh, solely looking ahead. Uh, is there a school record that doesn't have Blake Perry's name on it after the, the five years he gave your program? Um, unless it's a goalkeeping record. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, fair. I don't think so. Yeah, what a terrific career that young man had, um, and uh, we'll, we'll miss him surely. When you look ahead and, and, and you know, you, you're looking at somebody who scored 16 goals in 18 matches last year. He scored 74 goals in 99 career matches at UW-West. That's an incredible number. I don't care what level you're playing at to be able to do that. Uh, it, you're not replacing him with one person. This this isn't, hey, you go be Blake Perry. This is going to be, you know, you're replacing him in the acreage, as they, as they said in Moneyball, right? Well, exactly. It, it's it's uh, it's going to have to be by committee, and and I do think that we've got answers. Uh, I'm really excited about this group. Uh, the reality is, I mean, you're just you're never a better squad without Blake Perry on it, right? And so, um, like I said, we'll we'll miss him. Uh, we do add some pieces. I think we're gonna it's going to force us to play a, a different style, um, and and I do think that in the end we're going to find ways to be even better this year, and and I really believe that, and I think our guys truly believe that. Um, but man, if I could, you know, wave a wand and, and just kind of give him an extra year of eligibility, I, I surely would. You guys are going to open up the regular season on September 3rd against UW Eau Claire at the NBC Spartan Sports Complex. What name do you expect to write on the lineup sheet that, that in, in the spot that Blake Perry once held? Yeah, I mean, there's been some really good guys in camp already, you know, and so uh, one of the guys that I think is is kind of a sure bet, uh, Freddie Watson, who was a freshman for us last year played left back. He was actually playing out of position to be the left back for us. So he's kind of in an automatic response that uh, will we'll push him back to his natural spot and, and be that left forward for us. Um, you know, Jake Kidd, a local guy here, uh, he'll be a sophomore for us as well this year from here in, in Superior. Uh, you know, played his high school ball for Otto Birdie at, at uh, uh, SSHS here. Um, he's had a really terrific campaign so far. I mean, we're just a few days in, but man, he's, he's come back. He looks really sharp. Um, and there's a, a few other guys that I think will kind of float in and out um, as we as we kind of try to put all the pieces together here. I'm pretty sure Jake Kitts had a bunch of records in high school at Superior, so he's not unfamiliar with that concept. How's he adjusted so far to the college game? Because it, it is a leap. Yeah, you know, and, and it's one of, he's one of these guys that I felt like would make that adjustment fairly quickly in his career. Um, you know, if you look at the stat sheet last year, uh, I think through his first, like, 10 games last year, he didn't score a goal, and then he got on the score sheet, and then it was like he rattled off, I think, like 10 goals in nine games or something like that. And then he spent the summer with Duluth FC and Coach Sean Morgan and the, and the group over there. And, um, I mean, just being around that level of player, that level of coaching throughout the summer, um, he has really hit the ground running here this, uh, this fall already. Talking to Yellow Jacket men's soccer coach Joe Mooney. Tell me about your back end a little bit. You, you've got to keep the ball out of your net as well. Yeah, so, uh, you know, and again, where, where we get, uh, where we're able to strengthen a little bit this year is, you know, so we lost uh, Will Mainstrom last year in our first preseason scrimmage. So folks probably didn't even hear his name at all last year. Uh, we lost him to, to an ACL injury. So we get him back. Um, he's come back really strong after that. Um, Alex Hansen is a center back for us, that, uh, another local kid, another um, Superior High School product, uh, was an all-region player last year as a center back. Um, so we add some pieces around them, uh, Harry Ambler, another returning guy, um, and then uh, Josh Bellamy, who had a, a really great summer for Duluth FC as well. 
um, will, will kind of stand out in that back line. And then I think we have one of the best goalkeepers in the region uh, in Alex Paredes. And so there really is a, a pretty stout back line there that, uh, you know, when people look at kind of the offensive production that we've had, we, we've got some elite guys up front, but really having the ability to keep the ball out of our net and giving confidence to guys in front of them is, is I think, it just become a staple of our defensive side. You've got more than a dozen newcomers this year. How does the integration process work? When when you bring in all you know, a whole lot of new kids, you had a bunch of new kids last year. So that yes, they're not new, but they're still kind of new. You bring in more new kids this year. How does that process work for you guys? And, and how strong is the leadership in the in the upper class? And, and you know, I think that that answers the question, Bruce. Is is really when we talk about that process, it is leaning heavily on our leadership and and so our leadership is um you know like i said i think just year to year it keeps getting better um the the leaders that have come before have really created a tradition of of kind of handing down that leadership and the traditions and and cultural values that that we share here um and so this group of leaders um i mean it's, it's really been a seamless transition for our incoming guys um i feel like they you know within a few short days here already feel like they're part of the culture, part of the team, um, and, and really uh, feel comfortable kind of going toe-to-toe in, in training sessions. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's remarkable to see guys, I mean, just be able to flip that switch so quickly, young players coming in. And, and I think you're right, like 100% of that credit has to go to leadership uh, amongst the team. You've been around here for a while now, Joe. This this area is not necessarily known for soccer, I don't think, but it feels like it's getting more that way. We're seeing more and more athletes that are getting opportunities to play college soccer from the area. You've got a bunch of local kids on your team. You've got kids that have come to the Gitch program. You've got kids that have played for Duluth FC. How competitive is soccer in general becoming in this area? I think it's leaps and bounds. Um, you know, really, if you look at the last 10 years and just the growth there, um, you know, you mentioned it, uh, the Gitch Gumi program, you know, East Select, um, what Barry Chase, over at Scholastica, what he's done with that Gitch program, along with, I mean, folks like Dave Robinson and the whole group over there, um, they're all just terrific. And so it's been great for our soccer here from the, you know, the youth clubs, um, and, it's, and it's cranked out better products for us to be able to, to tap into. You know, uh, there were there were times last year where we were starting four superior high school grads uh, on our on our team, um, and so to be able to have that kind of talent and ability, um, and, and just good young men in your backyard that you can tap into is it's a real advantage for us, and it's a real treat to be able to work with those guys on a daily basis. And so again, that's hats off to a lot of the the folks in, in the Duluth Superior community that have really made you know soccer like you said maybe it hadn't been known for being a soccer hotbed in the past, but it really has become that, in my opinion. Um, and I think it's poised to, to go further. And then I think the, the addition of Duluth FC uh, and the work that has gone into that um, has, has also really just kind of turned a lot of eyes on the soccer here, and it's just made it um, really just kind of a, a great soccer culture in the Twin Ports. You'll be the West men's soccer coach, Joe Mooney, our guest. Iron sharpens iron. Are you? Do you feel like the UMAC is becoming more competitive as you guys continue to have a lot of success coming out of this league? Every year. Every year I feel like it's more competitive, uh, and I don't think this year is going to be any exception to that. Um, you know, I could go right down the list of teams that I think will be um, worrisome for us this year, um, and uh, you know, I really do feel like there's going to be you know, at least two, maybe three teams that when you look at that team's lineup, 
you would say that's an NCAA tournament-worthy team. And so uh, to, to be in that, that constant battle, um, and uh, as you mentioned, iron sharpens iron, I really feel like that's what the UMAC will be this year. You got a couple of scrimmages, exhibitions, whatever you'd like to call them here. One this weekend, Friday versus Northern Michigan. One Monday against St. Scholastica. Before you open up for real against Eau Claire, September third at the NBC Complex. What do you hope to learn here? These couple exhibitions, and, and you know, in the in the couple of weeks here, you've got a fall camp before you start the season for real. Well, there, there's a lot to learn, you know, and I think that the balance that we need to find is, you know, we kind of started the conversation talking a little bit about last year. And, you know, we really, I think we were playing some of the best soccer this program has played uh, at the end of last season. And so there's this tendency, I think, from players and coaches, and, and I'm sure this is not, you know, just exclusive to our sport, but there's a tendency to want to just jump right back in um, and, and kind of, you know, get back in the NCAA tournament and, and kind of take those steps to go further and so you, you try to balance that because there's good energy with that. And, and again, we were playing good soccer, but this is a different group. And um, so I, I think that there are a lot of things to learn about this group still. Um, and I think that there will be, you know, we kind of talked about some of the, the players shuffling that we're going to do uh, to get some of the players back into their natural position. That's going to create, you know, holes in other spots that we're going to have to shuffle players around. So I think that's a big part of it is to really see, you know, can we avoid just pigeonholing players into one specific position, but really, you know, try to find uh, within our system which players' uh, attributes match up best in those roles um, and really try to put the, the puzzle together that way. Have you adjusted finally here? Have you adjusted yet to driving around campus and not seeing those rickety old bleachers from Ole Hogsworth Field sitting up there? <laughs> it's, it's exciting stuff, you know, and, and obviously – uh, the opportunity to get on our own field, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, before next fall, um, right on campus here is going to be great. Um, hats off folks at Superior High School. They've, they've taken really good care of us the last few years. They've given us a great home. But, um, man, I mean, I just think there's a, a buzz around campus about this stadium project finally coming to fruition. And, uh, you know, being able to play home games right on campus is certainly going to be a great thing. So we've got one more year left with the folks, you know, down at, at the high school. Um, and uh, I think we're excited to, to maybe, uh, you know, kind of milk all the tradition out of that uh, and then be able to, to really transition hopefully next year um, and get going here on campus. That is the Superior Choice Credit Union Stadium that will be opening up in Superior on the campus of UWS next fall, they hope. But, yeah, it's weird driving by seeing, seeing Ole Hogsworth Field no longer having those bleachers. 1029 at KDAL. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike Grimm. We're sponsored by Lando Lakes. The seventh-ranked University of Minnesota volleyball team opens its season tonight by hosting TCU and then Baylor tomorrow night. Wisconsin is also in town. They'll play the two Big 12 teams opposite Minnesota over the next two days. We'll hear from new Gopher head coach Keegan Cook after this. There is a land where anything is possible, where soul, soil, and science work wonders every day. A land that values bravery and curiosity, where the truth is the official language. And here, we put our all into feeding human progress, to making a positive impact. This is a land of honesty, of optimism, of possibilities. This is Land O'Lakes, proud sponsor of Gopher Athletics. 
New Golden Gopher volleyball coach Keegan Cook put his team through an exhibition victory last week over Northern Iowa and says opening the regular season slate at Maturi Pavilion tonight will be special. A lot of emotions. You know, I think uh, when you're in it, you're thinking about uh, today's practice and what we got to get done. The PAV was special last week, but I think it'll be a whole different environment the day of the game. So I'm not sure what I'll feel walking out there. I just know I'll, I'll be happy to invite having that moment with, with the group. Cook says he learned a few things about his team and last week's exhibition win over the PAM. We've got some depth on this team and we've got some options and the athletes are still competing this week. You know, uh, roles have been narrowed a little bit, but uh, every day we're still seeing some surprises from people who, who want to make their mark. So excited to see that we've got some options, especially when you've got three matches in five days. To think that you'll play the same group the entire time is, I think, a little ambitious. So uh, I've liked the response of the athletes uh, since that scrimmage. For more info on Golden Gopher Volleyball, go to gophersports.com. That's the Golden Gopher Daily Update, sponsored by Lando Lakes, longtime supporter of Gopher Athletics. I'm Mike Grimm. Your Twin Ports home for UMD Bulldog football. For the touchdown for UMD. KDAL. And the Bulldogs open Thursday night as well. Molaski Stadium, 6 p.m. Coverage at 5.30 here on KDAL UMD. Non-conference for the first time in more than a decade against Northern Michigan. Come back in a moment. St. Scholastica women's soccer coach Dave Riles scheduled to join us. We'll get a season preview from him after we hear from CBS News 1036 on KDAL. The Bruce Siski Show. Well, I'm 19 years old. My middle name is Courtney. I can always guess how many jelly beans are in a jelly bean jar, even if it's not right. On 610 and FM 103.9 KDAL. 10.40, Friday morning. I'm out next week. Dave will be handling a best of stuff for you next week. A lot of college football as we get ready for next week and the start of the seasons. Bulldogs Thursday versus Northern Michigan, 5.30 pregame here on KDAL. The Gophers versus Nebraska also Thursday night from Huntington Bank Stadium, which is sold out for that game on Thursday. 5 o'clock for the coverage, kickoff at 7 on FM 98.1. And we'll have the Badgers for you next Saturday from Camp Randall Stadium as they usher in the Luke Fickle era. And I am just as curious as everybody else how this is going to look. Badgers versus Buffalo. An old friend, a Whitewater National Champion winning coach, Lance Leopold. Of course, they're building that Buffalo program. He's moved on to Kansas, and the Bulls still – Pretty solid MAC team. This is not a uh, this is not a walkover necessarily for the Badgers next Saturday. Twelve thirty for the coverage. Kickoff at two thirty on AM seven ten next Saturday from Madison. So that's all coming up next week. We'll preview that for you with Dave handling best of duties. Other stuff thrown in there as well. Also, I taped yesterday with UWS women's soccer coach Allison DeGroat. You'll hear that with Dave at some point next week. They open up a week from today at Gustavus Adolphus. I think that's all that uh, covers up what's coming up next week. I will return on Tuesday, September 5th. We'll talk Bulldog football with the voice, Jeff Papas. You'll have a call Thursday from Mulaski here on KDAL. And offensive coordinator Chase Vogler also with us on Tuesday, September 5th. And then we'll duck out again on the 6th for an early Twins game before returning with a full boat on September 7th. But uh, lots to come in the month of September, including, I'm looking forward to this, Tuesday, September 12th, get the calendars marked. 
as we'll be talking to longtime wrestling historian Tim Hornbaker, who has written a biography on the nature boy Ric Flair that I have been diving into here this summer. It is very, very well done. Uh, Tim Hornbaker, Death of the Territories, is also one of his books. Uh, he gets rave reviews from those that, that are really into the history of pro wrestling. And he'll be with us on Monday, or excuse me, Tuesday, September 12th. We'll talk about the uh, his book on the Nature Boy Ric Flair, which I think that's the day it comes out, actually, September 12th. Joining us now, head coach of the St. Scholastica women's soccer team, our last of the local interviews this week, Dave Riles. Good morning. Oh, hang on, I should do that. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Hey, good morning, Bruce. How you doing? You know, I've only been doing this for 25 years. You think I know how to push buttons by now, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, so last season, tough one for you guys. It, it, you know, getting breaking into the win columns. The Mayak continues to be an adventure here for Saint Scholastica. Uh, two two part question: Reflections on 2022 and the struggles you had throughout the year, but also, do you feel like you're making some headway in the Mayak? Sure. Uh, part one, you know, obviously it's it's not what we're used to. It's not what we've become accustomed to, the uh, success of our program over the years. Um, but, it is, you know, it's a big challenge jumping into a, into a significantly better conference. You know, we, we uh, as you know, when we, we would try to play a tough non-conference schedule, which included a lot of my acts in the past, and uh, and we were, you know, we did well at times, and at times we struggled. Our, our biggest issue last year was scoring goals. Um, we have some talented. Uh, they were freshmen last year, now sophomores. Uh, our two leading scorers were were both freshmen last year. Um, but uh, um, you know, we, uh, um, we we need them to score more goals, right? We uh, we, we had a lot of zero zero ties. Uh, you know, lost one nothing. Too many shutouts. So something we need to improve on but i'm i'm confident we're going to score some more goals as we go forward and you mentioned you're playing freshman i don't care what league you're in i don't care what level you're at in college sports if you're playing freshman especially in this day and age where you've got a lot of schools at a lot of different levels that are able to take fifth years off the covid year you're going to have some problems playing freshmen. It's just that we saw with UMV men's hockey last year, you're playing 18 and 19-year-olds and you're up against 25-year-olds in a lot of cases. How do you feel your kids adjusted as the season went on, got better as the season went on, and, and got used to this level of play as the season went on? Absolutely. Like I, I thought we got we were competitive towards the end of the year. We you know we had some good battles. Just came up short on again, just not finishing our chances. I felt as the season went on, we created more and better scoring opportunities. We we just you know you need your you need your players to to be confident in those scenarios, and that's tough when you're a freshman. And um, you're absolutely right. I and mean, we did see that with UMD. And again, that's another program we've we've become accustomed to seeing be successful and when they're not successful on that level everyone starts to go whoa what's going on but like you said the reality is when you're young you know it doesn't matter what what level or what sport uh it's going to take a little bit to get there and and you know the the good news is that uh those freshman players had a lot of opportunities to play last year a lot of opportunities to grow and develop um we're still creating those chances and now we hope they continue to create those chances but then they bury them so uh, you know, I'm confident we we made some headway, brought in some more, some some other talented freshmen um, that I think will help us be really focused on trying to improve things offensively because we felt like that was an area we needed to get better, and and I think we're going to get there. Well, we're talking to Saint Scholastica men's so- or women's soccer coach Dave Ryle. So you mentioned you got some young players that you're putting in some key positions. You know, who, who do you think you can lean on here this fall as you try to increase that goal scoring output? 
Sure. Well, we've got uh, our two our two returning leading scorers, Caitlin Sauter from Princeton, um, and Tenley Voss from uh, Farmington. They're both talented players. Uh, played high level club soccer. Uh, Caitlin's uh, you know five ten, uh, big strong physical player. Tenley's the opposite, about five six, uh, slender but but uh, sil- silky smooth and and quick. So they they work well together. Um, you know we we combine that with some um, experienced distributors in the middle. Elena Davidson, a, a Denfeld grad, um, and then Avery Sutton, who's a who's a fifth year from the Twin Cities, started her career at St. Mary's. Uh, in Winona and has now played for us the last three years. So um, they're both, you know, experienced players, and, and they're going to be the ones uh, feeding uh, Tenley and Kalen, and hopefully uh, they get footballs in the back of the net. You got the scrimmage, UW-Eau Claire and UMD yesterday, and then you've got UWS on Monday. What have you learned, and what do you hope to learn before you kick things off for real with the BSN Classic at Kenny Harkins Field next weekend? Uh, yesterday was good. A lot of minutes for a lot of players. Uh Muggy one in the morning and then hot one in the afternoon, but uh, it, it was really good. We we uh, we knew we'd be we'd be on the defensive a little bit yesterday, and I thought we did well. Um, you know, gave up a goal to each team, but uh, overall played really well. Um, we got Superior on Monday should be a, a good battle. Anytime we do anytime we do battle with Superior, even though it's a scrimmage, uh, you know that rivalry factor is in place. So it'll be good because it'll be a great challenge uh, and much more game speed and game like as we head into to next weekend against uh, two of Texas's best teams. So. I was going to say, you, you, you talked about, and I remember you've chatted a number of times over the years when you were in the in the UMAC about how you wanted the schedule difficult, and you scheduled a lot of MIAC and WIAC teams in your non-conference over the years because you wanted your team sharp for conference play. Boy, you haven't changed that philosophy at all being in the better conference, have you? Holy smokes, Harden-Simmons and uh, Mary Harden-Baylor in here next weekend. You, know, you, you you want to play at that level, you got to play those kind of teams, and and I I think there's you know obviously you got to find that balance between finding some confidence and and growing and developing. But the reality is, you know, we've got a group of players that that want to get to the level where they're an NCAA caliber team. Well, if you're going to do that, you better play against NCAA caliber teams. Uh, both those teams made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, Mary Harden Baylor is a very experienced, uh, older team. You talk about fifth years. I think they've got five or six fifth years on their team. We'll start. Um, they're a you know preseason top twenty-five team. Uh, Harden Simmons is right behind them, receiving votes. So uh, we went down to Texas last year and, and played them in the heat. So I'm I'm hoping we get a nice breeze off Lake Superior, and it's about fifty-two degrees and drizzling when they come up here next weekend. That <laughs> well. <laughs> I looked ahead of the forecast. It's not going to be hot here next week. At least you got that going for you. Right. We'll take that. All right. Uh, next weekend, 2.30 on Friday, Harden-Simmons. And then next Sunday, September 3rd, 1 o'clock versus Mary Harden-Baylor, both at Kenny Harkins Field at St. Scholastica. CSSSaints.com has got all the details. Dave, thanks as always, man. Appreciate it. Best of luck this season, all right? Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me, and uh, have a good rest of the show. All right. Thank you very much. Dave Riles, women's soccer coach at the College of Saints Scholastica. Again, that website. Get more details, cssaints.com. All right, so I got one foot hanging out the door. We're going to have the other one join it here a little bit. But first, first, processes. We have to usher in the weekend. Mr. Craig's going to be here at 1059 to do that. And then we'll wrap things up on a Friday morning, 10.50, Bruce Siski Show, 610, 103.9 KDAL. 
Vegas with you on your mobile with the free KDAL radio app. It's all I listen to. 10.59 on a Friday morning. I am out next week. There's a lot of college football and the best stuff with Dave. That'll be Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday next week. Wednesday, early Brad because of Twins Baseball. I'll be back on Tuesday, September the 5th. We'll talk some Bulldog football as we get back in the office after Labor Day. Have a great week. Great Labor Day holiday weekend. But first, have a great weekend. Brad's up next. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. Hit us up on Twitter at Bruce Siski Show and let us know what you think. No. Yes. No. Well, no, I, I crossed my mind. Visit KDAL610.com to podcast today's show anytime. What'd you say? Listen to shows on demand and download for free. You can also subscribe via Spotify or your favorite podcast app. This has been the Bruce Siski Show. CBS News is up next. This is your home for the Minnesota Timberwolves. 103.9 W280 FDFM and AM610 KDAL Duluth Superior.